the 24th chapter of Luke, Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly saying, stay with this, stay with us, because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us, within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to, be to God. God.
Whenever I read a narrative in the Bible, which uh, Carol just shared with us in the scripture, I, I look for the big words, the big words. Now what I mean by the big words are not the words with the most letters in them or the most syllables or the words that have, are hard to understand. That's not what I mean by, by big words. But rather I look for the words that talk about what people are thinking and feeling uh, in the narrative. I call those the big words in, in the story, in the account. So what I'd like to do uh, is for us to look at some big words here uh, in this story account of Jesus walking with uh, the two men to Emmaus. Uh, we understand that these two men were not uh, part of the 12, the 12 disciples, but they were definitely followers of Jesus. They had seen Jesus and heard him preaching. Um, and they were talking together before Jesus joined them about all that had happened there in Jerusalem. And no doubt they were talking about how on Palm Sunday Jesus came in and everybody was excited and waving the palm branches and laying their coats or cloaks in front of Jesus. And, and then Jesus did all this teaching. He did so much teaching uh, that, that uh, four-day five, five period. And then no doubt they were thinking about his arrest, his trial, how he was unfairly condemned, crucified, and buried. So no doubt that's what these men were talking about. And also, of course, about the report of the women who had gone to the tomb and no body, there's no body there, and those angels saying, well, he's, he's alive, he's alive. So no doubt they were thinking about this, and then Jesus just appears. Maybe they come to a crossroad, who knows? He just was there. And he started walking with them, and they, were, they welcomed him, but they didn't recognize him. Uh, maybe he had his, his robe over his head in such a way that they, they just couldn't see his face. We don't know, but for some reason, uh, they, they didn't recognize him. So Jesus asked a, a fair enough question, uh, what are you all talking about? You know, general, wide open kind of question. And then we get some big words. And here we have some big words in this narrative. So let's look at these big words. The men just stopped walking and they looked sad. They looked sad. They no doubt were thinking about this man who was walking with them. And they were thinking, this guy's so out of the loop. <laughs> this is contemporary language now. This guy is so out. Everybody's heard about what's going on in Jerusalem. How can you be anywhere near Jerusalem and not hear about what's happened to Jesus of Nazareth? Boy, this guy is really, I don't know, he's, he's really out of it. Uh, so they, they were caught up in this, they felt sad. So then Jesus acted even more stupid, if I may say that. Uh, and then they, they said, well, these things about Jesus, well, what, what things? What things? Then they probably thought, boy, whew, this guy, this guy is really, I don't know. He's not, he's not with it. He's not with it. But of course, what Jesus was wanting to get these men to do was to get them to tell him what they were thinking and feeling, right? That's why he played uninformed. Uh, he acted like he didn't know. Because he wanted them to do the talking at that point. And he wanted them to uh, express to him what they were th thinking and understanding. 
Well, of course, the men said that you know, Jesus of Nazareth was this prophet, a mighty man of deed and word, healed people, fed people. Uh, but uh, in spite of doing all the good that he did, and he did so much good to so many people, he had enemies, right? He had enemies. The chief priests, the leaders of the Jewish uh, people, they didn't like how much popularity he was gaining. They thought he could be trouble with the Roman authorities. So they worked things out to kill him, get rid of him, crucify him. And then this, the men shared their, their personal thoughts and feelings. And they were basically saying, we were so hopeful that he would restore Israel. What, what were they meaning by that? They were saying we were so hopeful he would grab a sword eventually, he would wave it in the, in the air and, and, and get rid of those Romans. We don't want those Romans around. We were so hopeful that he would restore Israel, that he would, he would bring our nation back to what it once was without the Romans there. Um, and so they were telling all this to Jesus. And then as an afterthought, pretty much an afterthought, they said, well, you know, the women went to the tomb. They couldn't find the body. They saw some angels. That happened today, this morning. But it was kind of an afterthought. They were just disappointed in Jesus. They, feel, they felt Jesus had failed, basically. He had failed them. Because he, he wasn't political enough. He wasn't militarily powerful enough. He had failed. He had failed. He had failed. He had failed. And they were really sad about that. Well, then, uh, uh, Jesus, Jesus had some big words of his own to say, right? And he had his own feelings to share eventually. And he turned to the men and he said, How foolish you are. How slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared about the Messiah. Shame on you. Shame on you for this foolishness and this slowness of heart to believe. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer and die and then enter into glory, his glory? So Jesus is frustrated with these guys. He's upset himself. He's angry. He's frustrated. And they didn't believe the news about a resurrection, that he was alive. Um, he was probably disappointed that they didn't uh, embrace the message uh, from the women, that the women had. So what did Jesus have to do with these two guys? What did he have to do with these two guys? He had to start way back with Moses, right? He goes way back to Moses. And he shares what the scriptures the Old Testament has to say about the Messiah through the prophets and all the way through. But he's, he's, he's really upset, but he's willing to teach them again. Let them hear again. They, they, they knew all this stuff. They'd heard all this stuff in the synagogue and every place else. But he was upset with where they were at. He wanted, perhaps one of the passages, we don't know what all Jesus shared with, with these two men, Perhaps this was one of the passages that he shared with them. This is from Isaiah 53, 
beginning at verse 2, where it says, For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity, and as one from, from whom others hide their face, faces, he was despised, and we held him of no account. Surely he has borne our, our infirmities and carried our diseases. Yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole. And by his bruises we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We all turn to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I don't know if Jesus shared that passage or not from Isaiah 53. But he wanted, to, he wanted these, these people to understand that uh, he, he was, the Messiah came to, to bless people and provide for people. Well, Jesus, Jesus played dumb so that, pe that these men would respond to him. But then he finally came on target with them about what they needed to understand, what they needed to know. And so they go and they, they beg this man to have dinner with them. So they are having dinner together and Jesus breaks bread and prays and then they realize, wait a second, this is Jesus. This is Jesus himself. And then he just somehow just disappears, he just vanishes. And then the men share some more really big words with one another. Were not our hearts burning within us while he was opening the scriptures to us? Our hearts were burning with what he had to say to us. They sensed a stirring and excitement within themselves that they described as their hearts burning as Jesus interpreted the scriptures to them. They got so excited. They just walked seven miles, but they got so excited, they had to walk the seven miles back to Jerusalem and tell Peter and the others of what had happened. Would you say that after this experience with Jesus, these two men took their study of Scripture more seriously? What do you think? Do you think they, do you think they took their study of Scripture more seriously after? What didn't they want? They didn't want Jesus walking up to them again someday and scolding them for their lack of understanding of the Bible. Nor did they want Jesus scolding them again for their slowness of heart to believe. We don't know what happened to these two men. We know the name of one, but we have no, no other information about these two men. But I believe that that was a very transformative moment for them in their lives walking with Jesus and having Jesus teach them very directly. They took the study of scripture, understanding it and believing it much more seriously. I love what Jeremiah the prophet says about the word of God, the scriptures. He says, your words were found and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, 
O Lord, God of hosts. For Jeremiah, scripture was like food to him, spiritual food. So let's ask ourselves, why do we eat food? Why do we eat food? We know if we don't eat, we get weak, right? We get weak physically, we get weak mentally. We just don't feel right if we don't eat. So what Jeremiah uh, is saying here, why don't you eat scripture? Why don't you ingest scripture the same way you ingest food every day? Why don't you get serious about understanding and embracing the scripture as much as you are serious about eating, eating your food each day? And we're all pretty serious about eating our food, right? We don't let that go by. We don't let that go by. You know, people have come to me and said, you know, Pastor, God just doesn't seem real to me. God doesn't seem to be there to bless me and to help me. I don't feel close to God. And one of the first things I talk with people about is simply, are you reading the Bible at all? Are you thinking about what you read in the Bible? Are you walking with God and obeying what you learn in Scripture? You know, what if I went to the doctor and I said, Doctor, I'm tired, I'm weak, I'm not motivated to do much of anything, I'm just down in the dumps most of the time. Don't you think the doctor may ask this question, what are you eating? What's your diet? Oh, doctor, I eat bread and water, little bread, a little water. That's all I eat. That's all I eat. Don't you think the doctor would say, well, let's start by <laughs> a little bit more than bread and water, right? A little bit more than bread and water. So if Jesus were to come to you today, if he were to suddenly appear in your car or at your dinner table, could it be that he would say to you what he said to those two men? How foolish you are. How slow of heart to believe all that is in Holy Scripture. You see, Jesus does want to meet with us. Jesus does want our hearts to burn within us. He, met, he wants to meet with those who deliberately, intentionally, steadfastly seek him in and through Holy Scripture. You know, if you can read, you have no excuse to not spend some time in Holy Scripture every day. If it's only five minutes, if it's only five minutes, five minutes will do a lot in your life. If it's only five minutes, you know, we think, oh, I don't have time for that. I'm too busy. Oh, I gotta watch my favorite television show right now, you know? I don't have time to, to read the Bible. Well, we do, we just don't, but we, we should. We want a, a, a sense of God's presence in our lives. We need to spend a little bit of time. It's like taking pills. How many of us take pills every day? Because the doctor tells us take pills. How long does it take you to take your pills each day? A few minutes? Doesn't take long to pop those pills in there and swallow them and you're all set? Well, again, you don't need to spend hours on scripture every day, but you need to, send, you need to pop, pop some scripture. It doesn't have to be hours. You see, as we prioritize our commitments, give the study of Holy Scripture time in our busy schedule, as we read and study with the purpose of having Jesus, the living Word of God, speak to us through the Bible, 
as we are quick of heart to believe what we learn in Holy Scripture, then Jesus will be as real to us as he was to those two men walking to Emmaus. We may say with them, he is risen, and each day he breaks the bread of life and gives abundantly to me. You see, the big words in our lives are not what you read in the paper. They're not what you hear on, on the TV, on the news reports. No, those are not the big words. And even the words we read in our Constitution, as important as they are, are not the big words of life. Holy Scripture, you know, are the big words of life. We need the big words. We need to be impacted by the grace of God to us through Holy Scripture. Amen. Amen.